0: Okay, let's go ahead and get started, if we could. Y'all all spread out. Okay, let's open with a word of prayer, if we could. Our Father, we do give praise to your name and rejoice at the opportunity to come together as the body of Christ. We thank you for Canton Bible Church and the privilege we have to gather with the saints. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts from your word this morning, that you would use it to teach us and help us to understand better, that we might live better. And Lord, that uh, we would take to heart the things that Daniel did and said so long ago as they are appropriate to our lives today. So we give thanks to you and we rejoice together. and We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen so this is week number six in our study of the book of daniel and last week we got started into chapter two and this is the chapter that unfolds for us another story this one about king nebuchadnezzar and a dream that he had that troubled his spirit troubled him so much that he could no longer rest and so seeking some understanding about his dream. He called together all the wise men of Babylon and they came together and the king gave them a command that they tell him first of all his dream and then they tell him the interpretation of his dream. And of course they go back and forth several times that you know, you need to tell us what your dream is before we can interpret it for you. So ultimately Nebuchadnezzar becomes furious with them very angry and he orders he had already told them that if you don't give me the interpretation and you don't tell me what the dream is then each of you will be torn limb from limb and that your households will be made of r- a rubbish so Nebuchadnezzar is going to kill all of them and he's going to kill their families and so they ultimately say to him, nobody could do this except for one of the gods. And rightly they speak. um, And so that's when Nebuchadnezzar sends out an order that they all be killed. And so in going to gather them, included in that group, even though they weren't at the meeting, were Daniel and his three friends. And so Ariok, the um, head of the king's bodyguards approaches Daniel and certainly must have told him that um, I'm going to have to kill you because Daniel asked him why is the command so harsh because he didn't know what was going on and so Ariok explained it all to Daniel and so Daniel goes to King Nebuchadnezzar and actually asked the same thing, well, sort of, that the wise men did, which was, give me a little time, and I'll give you the interpretation. And so the king, I guess, had compassion on Daniel and granted that. So Daniel immediately goes back to his three friends, and that's where we left off last week. So that's where we'll pick up this week in verse 17 of Daniel chapter two, and this is just after Daniel requested of the king and the king granted him a little time. We don't know how long, um, but he did give him some time. And then Daniel continues writing in verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah about the matter so that they might request compassion from God from the God of heaven, concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Okay, so Daniel's immediate response, once he understands what the king wants, and once he's been given a little time, is to go and gather his three faithful friends, and they all begin to pray. So Daniel doesn't try and figure out a way to scheme out of it. He doesn't fret about what's he going to do. He does the same thing that he basically did in chapter one, which is he trusts God that if God wants to preserve his life, he's going to give him the dream and the interpretation. That's the only way out of this. And so Daniel and his three friends begin to pray. Uh, We don't know how long they prayed. We don't know if it was just that night, or was it the next night, or we, we don't know. The scripture doesn't say. It kind of implies that it was immediate, but it doesn't say that, so we can't make that assumption, but um, the, the four of them pray together, asking God for the same thing, that is that he give them the dream and the interpretation. Now, I, I thought about this a little bit. You notice they say so that their request includes that they may not be killed with all the wise men. So you can just imagine that there was this rift between Daniel and his three friends and all these magi and magicians and sorcerers and all, who had been in Babylon for a lot of years. And then these three or four young kids come in, and after only three years, they get appointed to be the king's personal helps there in his court. And you can imagine the the reaction of all those other people who have been there for years and have been playing the kings of, of Babylon. So I, you, you just got to kind of work your way in here. But Maybe the four of them were not at the meeting of the wise men because the other wise men didn't bother to tell them that the king had sent out this command because they didn't want them there because they would obviously, as they had been doing, show them up. And so they didn't invite them. They're not there. And so likewise, Daniel and his three friends really don't care a whole lot about the sorcerers and the magicians either because they're fine if all of them get killed. They just want their own lives to be preserved. And knowing that all those men were idol worshipers, you know, going after false gods and all of that, you can kind of understand the difference that's going on here. Um, We don't care about you and I don't care about you either. Um, So they pray that God would give them the interpretation and that he would spare their lives, really, is what they're praying. Um, Even if all the other wise men are killed. Now in verse 19, just immediately really, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heavens. So Daniel apparently sees the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar had seen in somewhat of the same fashion in a vision that he sees during the night. Same thing that happened to Nebuchadnezzar. It says a dream, but it could easily be interpreted a vision that he had seeing whatever is going to be explained here. And so God shows it to Daniel in the same way that I believe God showed it to Nebuchadnezzar. The whole reason God is doing this, from what you can surmise from the scripture, is because he wants them to know about these future kingdoms. So the best way to get that broadcast to the the whole kingdom is to go to the king and show him a vision that would terrify him and then have someone else to interpret it to him. Then everybody would know. Otherwise, if he had just shown this to Daniel, nobody would know about it. Daniel would. So, God intends for the whole kingdom to know about this prophecy, and He intended for us to know about it. So, Daniel writes about it so that we will know about it. So, this is just the orchestration of God again. I believe giving first Nebuchadnezzar the vision without the interpretation, and then giving Daniel the vision with the interpretation so that Daniel can before you know when Daniel went before the king that it wasn't just Daniel and the king right that all those wise men would have been there with them and and who knows who else all the public officials as Daniel comes before him to give him what this dream means and so this is God just using an evil man to present his plan for the future history of mankind. It And it's one of the things that is
1: fascinating about the book of Daniel and Ezekiel, because we've studied eschatology together. There's kind of two really big areas of focus that I find very helpful when you're studying like this. What is God doing?
0: Right. And what is man's response to that? Right, and this is really all about God's plan you know, um, we'll see it here in this prayer. I believe the theme of Daniel is given in this prayer that Daniel is about to pray. And this is a, a prayer after God has shown him the vision and given him the interpretation. So Daniel knows what Nebuchadnezzar saw, and he can explain it to him. And then he knows what it means, and he can give him that interpretation, which he will do. And this is Daniel being faithful, first of all, to simply pray to God, ask God to help him, because he knows that he can't make something up and he can't come to this understanding all by himself. So Daniel, again, showing his ultimate and really only trust in God. He did it when he said, let us eat vegetables and water And then you do with us what you think is right at the end of 10 days. And did Daniel know that God was going to make him look better than the rest? No. Did he know that he wasn't going to be forced then to eat the king's portions? No. He didn't know. He just knew that God didn't want him to. And so he was putting it in God's hands. Make us look good by eating vegetables and water and we won't have to eat this stuff but it was up to God, and so Daniel's trust was in God, and God gave him compassion in front of those who were over him. We saw that specifically in scripture, and then God gave him intelligence and wisdom, along with his three friends, that they might excel anybody else, and then here, having just been appointed to that post, Daniel continues to trust God, so and and actually, when they started to pray, they didn't know if God was going to give him the vision or not. I mean, it seems easy from where we stand that, oh yeah, well, of course he was going to, and all because we know how the story ends, but Daniel didn't know that he didn't have Psalm 2, though. yeah, yeah, I mean he <clears throat> Daniel, because of his upbringing, you know this goes back to the blessing of being born and raised during the reign of king josiah who ordered the kingdom after after the book of the law the only king of judah who did it to the extent that he did especially when the scripture says he was better than every king before him better than david and so that's saying a lot and and in that reign Here comes Daniel being born, along with his three friends, and so raised in a very, very good time in Judah so that they might understand all these things that they're now practicing. So they hold faithful, and God remains faithful. Now, there's some very significant things that Daniel says in this prayer of thanksgiving to God. So let's walk through it. It begins in verse... 20, Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. And it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Now, there's several things in here that I want to point out, and kind of talk through. Um, Daniel shows his understanding about who God is at the very beginning by blessing God, but saying that all wisdom and all power belong to God. So what he's saying is that if someone's going to have wisdom and power in this life, it can only come from God. Okay, now this gets harder as we go further, but that's what he's acknowledging, that God owns wisdom and power. And so if anybody has any, it's because he gave it to them, not because they're so special, so good. And that's the first thing to notice about this prayer is Daniel doesn't say that God has done this for anything that is within him even for his faith and his trust. He doesn't mention it, that's not why God has done what he's done. And Daniel will give us more explanation of this as we go. Now, he says that God is the one who knows and reveals the hidden things. Now clearly, this dream and In this interpretation were hidden things. Nobody else was able to understand what they meant or to even speak about them. Maybe Nebuchadnezzar remembers the dream, but he clearly doesn't know the interpretation of it. So only Daniel at this point, because God has revealed to him the hidden things. Now, Daniel goes a step further in his acknowledgement and praise of who God is. He says it's God who changes the times and the epochs. Now, if you're going to change times and epochs, how are you going to do that? Because I mean he's talking about the way that life goes on. And so, how are you going to change times and epochs? he gives us that, right? That he does that by removing kings and establishing kings. And so God can change the course of human history by setting into authority different kings and kingdoms and and powers. And that's how he does it. That he appoints certain people to be in control. I mean, think about much later, when Rome takes over Palestine. Happens less than 100 years before Jesus Christ comes, but everything in the kingdom of Palestine is changed to be in concert with the Roman way of life. I mean, they're occupied by Roman soldiers. Their authorities are appointed by Roman authorities their laws are all about Rome and Caesar and taxes that go to Caesar. I mean, they changed the entire way of life for everybody that lived in Palestine. That's changing times and epics. And God does it by establishing certain authorities and powers. And so Daniel acknowledges this. I mean, he knows That he's in captivity right being treated pretty well but nevertheless he can't leave if he wants to he's still a captive and that he understands that god orchestrated all this to get him to be the personal assistant of nebuchadnezzar that's what daniel understands he's saying it right here in this prayer that he's praising god thanking him acknowledging that he owns all power and wisdom, that he is in control and changes times and epochs, and he establishes kings and removes kings. Now, we, we saw it in Ezekiel that God used Babylon not only to judge Judah and Jerusalem, but to judge all the nations around them even going as far as into Egypt later, after this passage is written, they go into Egypt and defeat Pharaoh. They've already defeated the Assyrians and put them out of power. And, and soon they'll ravage Jerusalem and Judah and all the lands around them, Tyre and Sidon that we read about. That it took them years to siege Tyre and Sidon, but ultimately they did. And so God has appointed this evil, pagan, idol worshiping king to be his instrument of judgment. And Ezekiel said that clearly that God, that Nebuchadnezzar was God's hand in judging the nations. That's changing times and epics. That's establishing kings. now this is this is not just an Old Testament theology. This is not something that was pertinent to when you had these worldwide kingdoms like Babylon and Assyria before them, and Egypt before them, and um, ultimately then. Uh, the Medo-Persians, and then the Greeks, and then the Romans, and then after the Romans, the Ottoman Empire—that comes all the way up to World War One. So that's not that's not something that was good just for them. This is still true today. And if if you have any doubt about that, I mean, we go to several places in the New Testament to show that. But you remember. Christ when he was before Pilate I believe and Pilate said do you not understand that I have the authority to allow you to live or to put you to death and what's Jesus Christ answer you would have no power if it had not been given to you by God in heaven Uh, Jesus Christ believed that right look at what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13 at the very beginning of Romans 13. And this this bothers people today in a big way. And we just went through this over the last year and a half. Romans 13, look at the first couple of verses. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinances of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Then drop down to verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So what does Paul write? That you're to be in subjection to the governing authorities. And why? Paul understands the same thing that Jesus understood, the same thing that Daniel understood because any governing authority has been established by God. And that people really get bothered by this today. I mean, you're telling me that in Russia, in Iran, in Iraq, in Saudi Arabia, in Lebanon, all these places, those authorities are established by God? Really? In Venezuela? Really? Those guys are established by God down in Chile where there's so much going on today? Yeah, those authorities are established by God. Now, he has his own reasons and his own purposes, and you notice Daniel never questions that. Paul never questions that. Jesus didn't question it. I mean, if Rome was not in charge of Palestine at the time when Jesus Christ came, then he would not have been crucified because it took that authority to have him crucified. So when the scripture says in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ came it's because God had perfectly orchestrated the scenario and the government and the rulers and the powers so that his plan to have Jesus Christ crushed would come to fruition. So, If you think it cannot be true that evil rulers are established by God, just think about when Paul was writing who was the authority. It was the Roman government who ultimately had his head cut off.
1: Right. into the will of man, and you find it in Isaiah, chapter 10, where he says to the predecessor of Noah, woe to the Assyrians, <laughs> right? The rod of my anger, so
0: you just listen to what, what's going on. Uh, the, the where are prophet, you at in Isaiah? Isaiah 10, verse 5. Isaiah 10, 10 5. The, Assyrian, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. Right. To destroy Israel.
1: To destroy, she says a godless nation I
0: sent him. Who is that? Yeah. yeah, I mean this is God using Assyria to destroy the northern kingdom, which is Israel, and then later in Isaiah it'll say Nebuchadnezzar, I will send to destroy Assyria.
1: Oh, no. They say that he says in verse 7, but he does not so intend, and his heart does not so think that God is doing it. He is fully convinced, he personifies this here, that they are doing it out of their hatred of Israel, but yet God is using that hatred and that removal of their restraint
0: right. to actually complete his victory. Well, remember Ezekiel at the end, the war in chapters 38 and 39, why does a war happen? These are men volitionally coming against Israel to fulfill the plan of God. That's what that is. And so it's not that God uses men and makes them go do something. But he uses the evil that the men already possess to pronounce his judgment. He'll later send Persia to destroy Babylon because Babylon destroyed Judah. Which was what God intended for them to do. So. <laughs> that answers the question why there's wars. There's oh yeah. Wars and wars forever. Right. It's the human, way. It's the human condition, right. is fallen man that causes all these wars, causes the evil in the heart, and so. But God's using it, and He always has been using it. There's nothing new here, and he, yes, He still uses it today. And you know, I mean. A few months ago, everybody had to kind of face up to this, right? Are we going to obey the government or are we not going to obey the government? And there were different opinions on both sides of that. And I can't make that decision for you, but I know what I'm going to do. So, but you have to decide, because there is a point where when the government orders you to sin, that you have to rebel and not obey them but until they order you to sin, the scripture says to be in subjection to them.
1: Well, David,
0: that's a hard line. It's helpful to, to look at the sequence
1: that's happening in the society. We see it today, that's why it's very relevant. Is it starts with illusion, what we see, what we hear, all the centuries, but then it moves to delusion. Yeah. Right. You look at it and you say, ah, now you actually think it's real. And you see that in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, God sends them strong delusion. You see it in Psalm 2, God turned them over to delusion. Right. He literally turns us over to our debased mind as a society. And that's when you see these just sweeping falls. In
0: yeah, and, y- and you really got to be discerning and thinking and asking God to help you from the scriptures. Because, I mean, the argument went something like this You cannot meet as a church. Well, the scripture says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So, is that the government ordering you to sin? Some said yes, some said no, because there are other ways to meet, other places you could meet. And so they didn't say you can't meet at all. They just say you can't meet in the way you used to meet. And so there were men that I respect on both sides of that. And were some wrong and some right, well, let each be convinced in his own mind. Because not everybody thinks the same. Yeah, and side of that is, is always the same thing. Right. Yeah, there's this thought that, you know, God knows what's in my mind and in my heart. Satan does not. He only watches my actions and my reactions and then knows what I'm thinking based upon that. Yeah. So how you respond is very important. And he's been doing that oh, really one created at the highest order of the creation yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. So this is what Daniel is writing about. Is that any power, any wisdom that exists is given by God because he owns them. That's what he said at the beginning, right? Wisdom and power are yours. And so toward the end of this prayer, as he goes on in verse 22, it is he who reveals the profound and hidden things, which he's done to Daniel. I love this. He knows what is in the darkness, meaning there's nothing hidden from him. I mean, when we get to the eternal kingdom, there's not even a sun or a moon because you don't need them because, as this verse says, the light dwells with him. And so Daniel writing about a lot of things here. And then he states it again, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and power. So Daniel fully acknowledges that any wisdom and power he has was given to him by God and that he's granted him the requests. One other thing here. Notice that Daniel says the God of, Of my fathers now most of his fathers lived in evil societies but that's not what he's talking about he's talking about all the way back to the patriarchs whom God called and blessed and created a nation out of them while they were in captivity rescued them from Egypt took them across the Jordan into the promised land allowed them to drive out lots of the inhabitants but not all of them all of those blessings are in daniel's mind as he writes this The god of my father's way back of my ancestors so daniel knows all of that history because he was born during the reign of josiah and so where did the book of the law came come from moses wrote it so he has to know about moses and about all that happened during the life of Moses. So Daniel understands all of that. He acknowledges all of that. And he understands that he only knows this dream and its interpretation. Because God gave it to him. And so he, notice also that even now you have made known to me what who we requested of you he includes his friends in it and then he says for you have made known to me no to us the king's matter so Daniel recognizes the faithfulness of his friends and includes them in this because it wasn't just him praying it was all four of them praying and by the way while he was having his visions they were still praying And so it took the faithfulness of all of them for God to respond and to do what he desired to do. And so Daniel here not saying, oh, I've got the vision and nobody else does, meaning his other three friends. Not at all. He says God has responded to what we requested and has given us the dream and the interpretation. So no amount of arrogance in Daniel at all here. He is very humble in what God has done. And this, that we'll see that again. Matter of fact, no, I, we won't get there today. Well, so I wanna show it to you though. Um, down in, I think it's 30. I just want to show you this and then, okay, um, verse 30, as for me, this is Daniel speaking to Nebuchadnezzar in front of all the assembly, but as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man. Really, Daniel? Nobody else can do this. But he says, there's no wisdom in me better than any other man. Sorry, I lost my place. But for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. So why did God give Daniel the vision and the interpretation, so that he could tell Nebuchadnezzar. and Because God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to understand. He wants us to understand. This wasn't given to confuse people, like some say. Oh, you can't understand all that stuff, it's just confusing. Not so much. God gave it so that they might understand. And that's behind all of this. Now, the theme of Daniel is right there in verse 21. It is God who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and he establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to the understanding. Meaning what? God is in sovereign control of the creation. He's doing whatever he well pleases and he's raising up powers and taking powers down. He's changing times and epics according to his plan and there's no one who can do anything about it god is in sovereign control that's the theme of daniel is that god is orchestrating all of this even when we get to the later chapters that can be confusing but we'll make sense of them god is still showing what he's going to do to orchestrate his plan Yeah, he goes crazy. a for seven years. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Literally, not just figuratively. <laughs> okay, so um, let's stop for today, and we'll pick up tomorrow with Daniel's, tomorrow, next Sunday, if the Lord wills, with Daniel's speech to Nebuchadnezzar, and then he immediately gets into what the dream is and its interpretation kind of gives them hand in hand. So thanks for your time this morning.